Welcome to track number five of the sufferings of Christ. If, for instance, you are a choir director, you keep your position not by permanently being a choir director, but by moving forward spiritually. I'm still a, a pianist of some sort, at least. I've kept my position. Yeah. But if I'd stayed in, as a pianist, by now I wouldn't even be here. And I probably wouldn't have anything playing piano in the church ever. Yeah. So you keep your position by moving. Bishop Saki, Bishop Eddie have been with me from the very beginning. They have not kept their position by just being there. But they themselves have moved on in the ministry. What they are doing now is different from what they used to do. Even. They are moving to higher function. But the position relative to your... Rel- you, you see, what the position you need to keep is the position of function and the position of relative importance. So it's, it's a spiritual placement. It's not a physical function. So sometimes you keep your position. You see, like, like let's say, Pastor Obi in his position here in London has kept his position by going to Kenya. In fact, he has actually moved into a higher position. Yeah. In relation to me, he's closer to me now than when he was in London. Because, because now, both him and I are ex- can experience, have experienced certain sufferings that he had not experienced before. So I, I couldn't explain certain things. You get it? What do you think? That's why sometimes I urge some of you because I want to be closer to you. I want to fellowship more. I want, I want you to fellowship. There's something Jesus called in Philippians, we say the fellowship of his sufferings. There's a fellowship of sufferings. It's like those who have suffered some things form a fellowship. They are fellows. Those who have never suffered those things are not fellows. You don't understand. You can't relate with it. Amen. Now let me give you some verses. First Timothy chapter 3 verse 10. Let these also be first be proved and let them use the office of a deacon. The office of a deacon. Romans chapter 12 verse 4. For us we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office. Amen. Amen. Are you there? Yeah. Are you there? Yeah. Are you there? Yeah. Great. And then what other verse can I give you? Plenty of verses here. Nehemiah chapter 13. Verse 13. And their office was to distribute unto their brethren. Their office of giving. I'm still waiting to see people who are going to do very well in the office of giving. Amen. I'm seeing some people. 1 Corinthians 23 verse 28. Their office was to wait on the sons of Aaron. Wow. Office of distribution. Office of waiting on the sons of Aaron. 1 Chronicles 23 28. You are very diligently writing. I wonder if you'll ever read the verses you are writing. 1 Chronicles 9 verse 22 it says and samuel the seer did ordain in their set office and exodus chapter 29 verse 1 and this is the thing that thou shalt do unto them to hallow them to minister unto me in the priest's office amen Amen. sit down we are continuing with the sufferings of christ the sufferings of christ amen in matthew 26 verse 20 he said take eat this is my body when he had taken a cup He gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of this vine from now until that day when I drink it new in my Father's kingdom. And after singing... A hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Amen. Amen. All right. We are looking at the suffering of Christ. How many are ready to suffer for Christ? Now, he said, It's my body. And so we the, the to the degree, what is the degree that we are looking at? 
but to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. Amen. Amen. Be happy about the degree to which you experience what Christ experienced in terms of suffering. That's what it means. Be happy about the degree to which you experience the sufferings of Christ. Amen. Amen. So if you, are, if you are experiencing more of those things, then you must uh, be happy that you are receiving uh, the joy of the Lord and you will be received into the glory. Amen. 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 Now, the next thing is to, for your blood to be drunk. <laughs> the next type of suffering is to have your blood drunk by others. Take eat my body and then drink my blood. Mercy. Now what does it mean for your blood to be drunk? Turn with me to Leviticus chapter 17. Leviticus chapter 17. Philippa, are you near the sufferings of Christ as we are going through? You are, are you near? I mean, are you Experiencing, have you experienced most of his sufferings? Huh? How many feel you are nearer or further? <laughs> you feel that you are further. Forgive. Huh? Further, isn't it? So sometimes you realize that a bad husband or a bad wife may be a very small suffering. That Christ may have allowed you to experience. What do you think? Huh? Maybe inconvenience of your flesh. That's why I say that the current type of Christians that we have cannot take any inconvenience. I was reading a Christian book. And this Christian author, some years ago, no, I was listening to, I think it was Billy Graham. And he was speaking about what Christ does for someone when he's born again. Billy Graham, many, many years ago, 60s or so. And he was saying that the divorce rate in the church is, the divorce rate in the world is like one out of two. That is in the world at that time. And he said that, but the divorce rate in the church, he was trying to show how Christ changes you. The divorce rate in the church is one out of 300. (laughs) Is there not a difference? Because Christians have been told to suffer. But today, the divorce rate in the church is one out of one point something. Not even two. It's now higher in the church to divorce than outside the church. Because we have become so much like the world. No nonsense. I don't have time for rubbish. I cannot take any whatever. I cannot consider staying with you when we don't have a child. You, you, it's not possible. I cannot take rubbish. I don't take nonsense. And both pastors, Christians, everybody divorcing, we can't take rubbish. A certain brother was going to marry a certain sister. <laughs> I said to this certain brother, listen, his problem was that he didn't like plump 
girls. Now his beloved was already plump. Or as somebody say plumpy. <laughs> so as beloveds, he was urging her to slim. He was saying, I want you to slim. I want this place to go. I want this place to go. I want here to go. So one day, I called this brother. And I called a sister. And I, I called the brother and I talked to him. I said, look, let me just tell you something. If you don't like her as she is now, leave her now. Don't worry her. So I said, do you want her? He said, yes, I want her. Your mouth, you want her. So, then I said to him, listen, hear it well. If you say you like her, plump or plumpy. I don't want to hear of this again. Ever, when you marry, you have children because she has not had any child. What is going to happen when she has a child? Hey! Plump squared. So, I said, think about it carefully. Because Christians today, they can't tolerate nonsense at all. (laughs) Christians today, if your wife's arm is big, I want the arm, the arm is too big. Oh! What should she do about this arm? What should she do about her arm? So in the end, he said, I like her. One day, a certain brother was going to marry a certain sister. Now this brother... His favorite food was, he's a Ghanaian, and the wife is also a Ghanaian, but he did not, does not like the local Ghanaian foods. Yeah, he's a kind of sophisticated brother. Do you, you get what I'm talking about? I mean, he likes, he likes what? Shepherd's pie, potato salad, chips and corn, hey, and cod. Uh huh. Okay. What? Lasagna. He loves lasagna. Now, his the beloved that he was going to marry. Is a specialist in making contombre soup. <laughs> and other higher specialities. With snails and crabs. One day, lasagna with snails. One day. (laughs) You see, if you are not used to some food, sir, you are just not used to it. One day I went to a certain place. And I was sitting by a certain lady. But my chair was slightly turned this way. And she was sitting by my side. 
and it was time to eat, so everybody had gotten food. So when she went, a very short lady like this. <laughs> hey! So she went for her food. You get it? And when I turned to look with the left side of my eye, there on the plate was a big crab. It, the fingers of the crab were spread out all over. I think she was eating upper prancer. Is that what they call it? Apaprancer. Hey! And the crab was very big. And me, I am afraid of such a crab. As I watched that, I was... My question was, where is he going to get the meat from the crab? But I thought that the meat was in the crab. So I was just watching. But she didn't know that I was watching. I turned like this. When I turned with the left side of my eye, I saw that two of the legs of the crab had disappeared. (laughs) After some time, I looked again with the left side of my eye. Now there were no more legs. So it was the main, the body of the crab. Big! I didn't know where the crab, the short lady, I didn't know where the legs had gone. Can you believe? As I sat there quietly, by the time we finished, there was not even the smallest speck was left on the plate. Everything was gone. So when I look at it, I say, hey, if you marry somebody whose speciality is such, or even the person wants that, and you are not used to making that, should in case there could be a problem. (laughs) So, I said to the sister, who was a specialist in these kind of foods, I said, look, this man is a white man in a black body you have to make this kind of food for him that is what he likes yeah so but I told the brother secretly she may not make it all (laughs) so I told him are you ready are you ready should in case she doesn't do it don't say you can't stand it one sister was there her husband said i want to eat bat stew stew of bats <laughs> bat stew today they cannot tolerate nonsense my lasagna is not coming out of the house but stew so I asked the wife look this is what he wants she said I'm afraid of it she said I'm afraid of it so are you going to suck your wife but what I'm saying is that today's Christians is that I can't take his temperament, my temperament. I can't. So if you don't take care, you marry somebody who starts to talk my temperament. Right? I can't stand. He's too quiet. He talks too much. He laughs. He jokes too much. One of our, I remember a certain brother. <laughs> he was going to get married. This brother, this brother likes joking, jumping fooling playing he's a happy guy and the wife to be serious hey! 
More than Queen Elizabeth. More than Queen Elizabeth. More than Queen Elizabeth. So before the man, I said, look, that's how he is. You can't come and change him. So I don't want you to say one day, I can't tolerate it. I can't have my husband fooling all over the place. I feel embarrassed when I see him jumping around. That's how he is. So don't come later and say, I can't tolerate this. We are all tolerating. Until Jesus comes, we are tolerating until Jesus comes. John Wesley went and married this girl. He was 40 something years old. And Wesley used to write to all his members and all the people. When she came, she said she can't tolerate him writing to these people. And that is what he has been doing. He has been ministry. He even asked you to open the letters and help him to rather do the work. Now you say you can't tolerate. Before you came, so be careful. Do you understand? And all of us must tolerate. Yeah. So that the divorce rate will go back to one in 300. One in 300. Okay. We, we can be together. We can stay together till we die. It's possible. And it's not that everything is perfect. Though. There are intolerable things which must be tolerated. Because we are Christians who they say eat my body drink my blood and that's it we are surviving we can make it and we are making it in the name of Jesus amen so I was sharing with you about drink my blood I don't know how I came into all this tolerance now drinking of the blood signifies something different from eating the body in Leviticus chapter 17 verse 11 it says for the life of the flesh is in the blood and I have given it to you on the altar to make an atonement for your souls for it is the blood by reason of the life that makes atonement the blood because life is in the blood pays the price for the sins to be forgiven the life is in the blood amen, amen. one day i met uh, i went to the ward and somebody was having an amputation i had never seen one before very very something kind of operation where they use a saw a real saw like you see in a carpentry shop and they saw the leg off and then they disconnect the leg and sew it up have you seen one before yeah it's not after but whilst it's being done it's something now when they finished they took the leg like this and then they took it out the the leg that they cut off put it taking they were taking it somewhere so i felt so sad for the man whose leg had been cut off the next day he woke up in a few days i saw him sitting on the bed laughing with some visitors <laughs> yeah the one the man i was feeling sorry for laughing with some visitors and then, a few days later, I saw him going home. <coughs> Happily. That is when I came to understand that the life is not in the leg. Because after cutting off his leg, he still had his life. Cutting off his leg did not take out his life. Amen. Amen. Because the life is in the blood. If you take out the blood, you're taking out the person's life. 
And it is the blood that takes life to the whole body. Sends oxygen everywhere. Sends food everywhere. Takes away all the toxins that are destroying your body. And brings it out back to the kidney. And so the heart is actually, you say you take out the heart, you also die. But the heart is just the one that keeps the blood moving around. So it's the blood. It's the blood that keeps the brain alive. It's the blood. Goes round. Blood. The life is in the blood. So when Jesus said, take my body, drink my blood, he was saying, this is my life. My life. You know? And so, one of the greatest things that you can suffer and join Christ in is the giving of your life. giving of your life. I'm not talking about giving of your time. I'm not talking about giving of your convenience or your money, experience, uh, maybe correcting your sexual desires or giving your meals, your hunger, your stomach. (laughs) That's one thing. But then we are talking about giving your life. Giving your life to him. Amen. Amen. Give your life to Jesus Christ. When you say give your life to Jesus Christ, it's talking about giving your heart, giving your life. Now when you talk about your life, I used to think, so how can somebody drink my blood? How can I join Christ in this? But you see, the life is symbolized by the blood. And so when you are giving your blood, you are giving your life. To him. Amen. Amen. So when you can present your life. Whatever your life is. And say I give my life. To God. That's why I'm saying this one. This one applies especially young men. And ladies. From today. Onwards. I give my life. To God. Whatever he wants with my life. Not what he wants with my Tuesday evenings. Or what he wants with my Sunday evening. But all of my life. All of my life. What song is that? Giving my life. Giving my best. What song is that? Is there a song like that? Sing it. You get it? I'm giving my, giving my all. Giving my best. To you, oh Lord. All of my life, all of everything, all that I have. Amen. Amen. So, what I'm saying is that if from the age of 17, where you become conscious of what there is to have in this life, you say, Lord, I give it to you, I dedicate my life to you. I'm telling you, you are giving your blood. You are giving your blood to God because your life is no longer yours. But it's His life. He takes over your life and He chooses what you do with your life. That's what it means to give your life. Most of us have given our life to other things. You've given your, your, your life, your pursuits. You have pursued other things. You have pursued wealth. You gave your life to search for money. To search for wealth, search for prestige, search for success. You gave your life for the pursuit of all other things. But today Christ is calling you and he's pointing out to you that he lifted up the cup and he said, this is my life. Look, he was 30 years old and he went to the cross. His 35th birthday party, he gave it to God, to the father. His 40th birthday party. He gave it to the father. All his marriage. The woman he would have married. His children. His life. His existence. The jobs he would have had. The money he would have earned. The things he would have done. He gave it all. To Jesus. To God. To the father. That's what it means to give your life. If there is anybody less than 25 years old. I need you to stand up urgently 
if you are less than 25 years old, please stand up urgently. You are less than 25. You see, you have more blood. In other words, you have more life to give. Yeah. But Satan is going to tempt you big time. All you girls is going to send a boy to rap you. He's going to send a guy to tell you nice things. Sit down. If you are less than 30, stand up. 30 or less. 30 years or below. Hey! Let us assume that you are going to live to be 70. These people, these people have a little less blood, but a lot of blood. A little less than the 25-year-old guys. But substantial. Huh? You must serve God. Oh. Give him your days. Pledge your life to him. Pledge your future to him. Tell him I'm giving everything. All my future. If he doesn't, does he want you to have children? You have to ask him, Lord, if you don't want me to have, I'm not having. I want to have more children. I have more. One day I was talking to her sister. She wanted to have another baby. I said, are you serious about the ministry? Are you serious? Because if you are serious, you can't just continue having children. You can't just have more and more and more children. You are not serious about the ministry. Yeah. You are not serious about the ministry. Every year you are pregnant. Every few months there's something. No one who is serious in the ministry can have a lot of children. Yeah. I have four children. But it was not my decision to have four children. No. Tolerance. Tolerance. Acceptance. Christian love. Yeah. Because I have to stay happily in my house forever. Till Christ has due part. Yeah. So if that's what you want, me, I've told you what to do. If you will not do, as for me, my phlegmatism also can come. You'll be there. But if you are serious, oh, you can't just, I mean, and then you'll be have all these children struggling with them. Say, you know, the children, you know, the children, as if the children, they came from the bus stop and they came to the house. <laughs> And the ladies, they know what they are doing. When they want to have babies, you see that they will be having sex and they will be flowing. When you ask them, so I'm doing my best. You know They are not doing their best because the Bible says so. They are doing their best with an agenda and a motive. Oh, I've seen it over and over and over. They are real life. They are not interested. I told her, are you serious? Are you serious? You are not serious. You are not serious. Never say that your children are disturbing you in the ministry. Don't say that. You are the one who brought them. If you are serious, take knife and cut the tubes. Amen. Your life for God or your life for bringing up of children? Nursing breastfeeding babysitting paying school fees 
going to the crash swimming lessons piano lessons violin lessons ballet classes hey you have to go on holidays so that the children when they come they ask what did you do on the, on the holiday so that they can have an essay to write otherwise they are always writing we were in the house 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 we went to uncle's house <laughs> When other children in the class are writing, we went to the zoo, we went skiing, we went to Disney World, we went to Jamaica. Hey, then you are saying, we went to church, we went to church, we went to church, we went to church. Every day we went to church. Hey! <laughs> So if you are serious, those of you who don't have children or don't have them, if you are serious, you have, you have two, it's fine. You have one, it's good. You don't have any, also thank the Lord. Yeah. Now the missionaries, when you have a certain number of children, no, hey. One day when I was new in sending missionaries, I sent a missionary who has five children. Hey, how I regretted. Before I realized so many problems had come. I tell him, I said, brother, please return to where you were originally. Return. Give your life to God. Women, it means something. Give your life to bearing children, having children, rearing them, and children never grow up. I still call my mother mommy. I call my father daddy. When my mother calls me, when my mother calls me dad, I say, yes, mommy. I don't say, yes, can I help you? <laughs> no, it's yes, my, I'm she's still my mommy. And your children will never leave. My mother said, they will ne- always, they are the concern. Mary was at the cross. We are coming to that. She was at the cross when her son was on the cross. Because even though she's not nursing him, he is her concern. At the age of 33, she was her boy. <laughs> Your children will be 33 and you will be her. And my son's wife. You see, my son's wife, my son's wife, she, 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 she doesn't know how to cook. You see, I used to make a carrot cake for a man. She doesn't know how to make carrot cake. And she, when she makes her crabs, he doesn't like... Oh, now you'll be talking. Just petty rubbish your life is so petty petty things this is all that concerns you and engages your attention oh so i'm talking to you choose you this day whom you will serve will you serve the babies will you serve the concept of marriage or you serve god I went to a village. I saw a white man. You see, white people, when they have the gospel, eh, the way they do it is not the way we do it. Hey! A village. He was there with his wife from America. And when, we, when I go to the house, there were so many Ghanaian children playing around. So talking with them, how long have you been saying we've been here for nine years? In a village in Ghana. So we used to be in Benin or some other country. We've come here. What are you doing here? We are missionaries. So where do you say we travel to all the villages? Endless. So I said, what? you have children? She said, no. And the wife said to me, we, ch- we chose not to have children. We could have children, but we chose not to have children. So that we could be here and do what we are doing. I looked at her and my heart. Because I know in Ghana how people strive to have children. She said, I chose, we chose not to have children so that I could do this work. Then the man said to me, listen, the man said to me, this house where we are in, this is New York, this is our New York. He said, actually, we come here only at weekend or we come here only once every whatever. He says, our main place where we stay is in a village. Where I was was a village, but he said, it's another village. That's where we stay. And I've never been to that village before. 
he stays there in the bush. He said the chief gave him a small piece of land and he built a mud house or a house of some sort there. A white man. It would take us about six hours to go from the capital to that place. Six to seven hours to get to where he is inside. So I said, are you not afraid of snakes? There's no electricity. There's no water. He he stays there with his wife. So I said, are you not afraid of snakes? He said, oh, they come. So do they come? So yeah. He said, they come to kill my chicken. He has got his chickens that he rears. You are laughing. You see these people in thrones. When you are down the ladder, you'll be looking at them. I went to London. Whilst you came to the village. You watch and see. These are all credentials. All these people are not known. They are living their lives in obscurity. Trying to serve God as best as they can. And in that town, that village, there he is. His wife has chosen not to have a child. He said to me, "When I know when there is a snake around. He said, how do you know when there is a snake? He said, oh, my chickens alert me. So when I hear them, I know there is a snake. He said, one time there was a big black cobra had come to eat my chickens. So I got there and I killed it. In the night, I went with my torch. Kill a big black cobra in the forest. <laughs> I'm talking about an American from some town in America with an American passport. <laughs> Suffering for Christ. That's what I want to encourage you to be and to do. I want you to suffer. Give your life. You see, the life of an American, he has thought he has given that life to God. Now the life that he now lives is living a life in a village. He's living a life in the village. He's giving his life. Okay? Sit down. God is looking for your life. Some of you is looking for just a remainder. <laughs> remainder three. <laughs> remainder four. Remainder ten. He wants the remainder of your life. Hey! Can he have the remainder of your lives? Think about how intelligent you are, Mr. Architect. You work here in in England. You are so clever. When you were in Ghana, you were able to pass your exams and get to one of the best schools. You were able to become an architect. You came here, you've been able to pass all the exams and become a clever architect working for different firms in England. They employ you. You are a rich man. If only this cleverness, this life you have, was given to God so that you, you would design God's I don't mean design a church building I mean design God's house <laughs> if your life was given to him I'm not talking about making a donation I'm talking about giving your life you see me in, my, in school I'm not trying to boast or anything but I'm, I just want you to know that in my own testimony of my life I never thought of myself, I've never thought of myself as a particularly intelligent person. In fact, recently, I was in the mortuary, a few weeks ago, I was in the mortuary, and I was covered with this mask. I was doing something there. And then a, a, a patient was brought in. I mean, a dead, a dead body was, another dead body was brought there. And as I was standing there, a lady walked up and said, oh, I'm Dr. Such and Such. I said, oh. She said to me, I'm very happy to meet you. And I was wondering, how does she recognize me? My face is also covered. But she, 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 she had recognized me. And so on. And she, was, she talked and she told me why she was there. She pointed to some dead body that was there. And there was reason why she was there. So when we finished talking, I finished also what I was doing. I was going, she said, I want to ask you something. She said, oh, what is it? She said, oh, my child is in a medical school. And my child tells me that in the history of the medical school, only two people have ever had a distinction in pathology and you are one of the two people who have ever had that i said really i never knew I said so did you is it true she asked me i always want to find out whether it is true so i i had distinction when i was 
in school, but I didn't know that it's only, I thought it was a common thing. I don't know if it's even true. You see, all I'm trying to say is that maybe God has given me some abilities, but I've given all to the kingdom. That ability, I used to build churches, to write books. These new textbooks that I have, the medical exams that I experienced that I have, I used to do medical exams. The exams are like medical school. My life, Anything that I have. I don't do any business. I don't do business. I do only church work. (laughs) My life is for God. Yeah. One time I went to preach, to give a lecture. I was invited to give a lecture. 45 minutes I spoke. Hey! The check that was given to me by the bank that I went to speak at. I was surprised. Hey, is that the value of... 45 minutes, millions. I said, look, I'm not a motivational speaker. I cannot go around giving speeches to get money. (laughs) (laughs) To help financial institutions. I I don't want to make the economy better. That's not my aim. My aim is not to make the economy better. I want the economy to do well, but that's not my, it's not my work. I'm a church, church man. I met a guy from America. He said, listen, you are a sharp shooter, straight guy, no nonsense. <laughs> he said, you will be very good. You know, he said, you should use what you have to, you know, what leverage are you, what leverage you have? I mean, you should use your whatever to do something. He was using some words. I said, hey, I told him, listen, man, I'm a church man. I'm a church man. All right. All right. I belong to the church. I belong to God. My work is for the church, for God, to promote God's church and God's kingdom and God's work till I die. All my effort is to make the church do better in God's kingdom to win souls. Yeah. You get it? That's why I don't like songs which are halfway. You know, if you ever sing a song that can be used in a disco, it's not a good song. And a lot of Christian songs, you can play it in a bar, so-called Christian songs. You can play in a bar, you can play in a disco, you can play in a secular place, and nobody would know that it's a Christian song. Then there's something wrong with that song. You can't say, I don't know why Jesus loved me. I don't know why he cared. I don't know why he sacrificed his life. Oh, but I'm glad. So glad he did. You can't sing it here. You can't play it in a, in, 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 in a disco. Where would I be if Jesus didn't love me? Where would I be? If Jesus didn't care, where would I be if he hadn't sacrificed his life? Oh, but I'm glad, so glad he did. Uh-huh. I sing in the disco so that you get a girl, come, and then you switch again. Where would I be if Jesus didn't love me? Aye! The song does not go with the smooching. <laughs> Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Hey! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! We are going to see the king. No more crying there. We are going to see the king. Hallelujah. No more crying. We are going to see the king. No more crying. We are going to see. Hey. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are going to see the king. So I would like my song to be a church song. I would like my intelligence to help the church and not to help a bank or any other secular idea. Oh yeah. 
God has given me something, what he has given me, strength, talent, wife, children, friends, connections, money, anything I have. Everton to the Lord. Everton to the Lord. Every little thing to the Lord. <laughs> Every little thing. But your song. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, baby. Ooh, love you feel. Okay. Yes, okay. Yes, Hey. That song. We are not sure. And I heard a song one time they were singing. They said, make no mistake. I'm talking about Jesus. Why don't you sing a song that we can't make a mistake? That we can't make a mistake. That is about Jesus you are singing. What do you think? Give him your life. Give him your days. Can you give him your days? Give him your life. When David went to Jamaica, he gave God his life. I don't know whatever life he would have had here in, in London. He just gave it to God. That's, that's what I mean by giving your life. Whatever you could have done, you gave it to him. Evil little thing. <laughs> hey! Well, why is she? You were going to sing that song. Give him your life. Whatever the song is called. Now I'm giving my best to you, Lord. All that I have, I won't withhold. Giving my best to you, Lord. All of my heart and all. Verse 30. After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike down the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Amen. Now he says, you will all fall away because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike down the shepherd. Now, another form of suffering is to experience strikes. (laughs) To be struck. Apparently by God. Amen. Amen. But through the grace of God, you can survive it. Amen. Now Peter said to him, even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. And Jesus said to him, truly, I say to you that this very night, before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said, even if I have to die with you, 
I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same thing. Amen. Now, then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Amen. Now the next important place of suffering is the place of prayer. Perhaps this is the most important part of what I am sharing with you. Because all suffering begins in prayer. Spiritual suffering begins in prayer. Prayer involves the suffering of staying in one place. Amen. What do you think? Number one, to stay in a place. Number two, to cut out other human interaction. To cut out human interaction. Amen. What do you think? Now, some of us cannot bear to be in one place for a long time. You just have to move. How many have experienced that? You just have to move. Isn't it? This is the most important suffering that you have to learn. You can say, I want to be a pastor, but if you don't discipline yourself to experience this suffering... You see, you will not do well. And spiritual power comes through praying. And prayer is very, very, very important for you to acquire, to to do, to achieve, to experience. No matter who you are, you must become someone who prays for a long time. If you don't go through that first suffering... Forget about all the things I'm saying. They are not your portion. They are not your portion. It takes something to just be alone. And it's painful. That's why when you have a wife and children, you know, it's, it's difficult. You see, because I don't... You don't see your wife often or all the time. You don't see your children all the time. Then when you come home, you are now cutting yourself out of their presence to go and pray it's not easy so that's why when you don't have a wife or you don't have children you can be more spiritual bishop saki sent me a text the other day he said i'm all alone in this house all alone but i'll be okay all alone but if you are not alone There'll be somebody coming in, going out, making noise, disturbing. And you say, can you please stay to this side? You are disturbing. But when the person is gone, you realize that the house has become like a monastery. What do you think? So it is important for you to acquire The fire. It is important for you to acquire the habit and ability to be on your own. You see, this camp is trying to help you to do it yourself. This type of group, we are all fasting. Maybe the church should stop declaring fast for three years. So that everybody would just find God for himself. Yeah. In fact, one of the things that I found difficult... At a point was I realized that when I want to wait on God, you know, that I'll go and wait on God. When I come, the church people are just there. They are also not waiting on God. So in order to help them to wait on God, you have to declare another fast, including yourself, and join them again. And wait on God again. And when you come for the prayer meeting, you are just leading them in prayer. And motivating them and encouraging them and praying, praying, praying with them and so on. Which is different from you praying and waiting on God. 
Yeah. So you realize that sometimes you are not even getting far with God. Yeah. You are not getting far with God because you are just leading people. It's like somebody who is having his quiet time to go and preach rather than having a quiet time to nourish yourself spiritually. So God wants you to learn how to pray just to cut out people. You see, when he got to the, to the, to the garden, he says, stay here. I need to cut you off. Wives need to cut off husbands. Wives need to cut off children. That's why if you have so many, one is asleep, one has woken up. One is asleep, one has woken up. How can you be serious and have a lot of children? You are not serious. You don't go and tie your tubes. You are not serious. Or you don't get the message. You are not serious at all. This message continues on the next track. Keep listening.